2: Right now on Fast, rally on the street. stocks surge as inflation pressure eases just a bit. Fang, travel, housing, banks, even a host of the growthy names rocketing higher today. Can the good vibes last? We'll debate that. Plus, Disney popping after hours a big beat, thanks in part to jam-packed theme parks. The company also announcing price hikes for Disney Plus in a mega streaming milestone. We'll go inside the numbers. And later, one of our traders is channeling his inner, Kathy Wood. Options action in the energy patch and Elon Musk's $7 billion stock sale. I'm this is Fast Money Live from the NASDAQ Market. i on the desk tonight. Guy Adami, Bono and Ice, and Courtney Garcia, and Dan Nathan. We're going to get to those results out of Disney in just a moment, but we start with a rip-roaring rally on Wall Street today. The NASDAQ soaring nearly 3%, posting its highest close since May 4th. The S&P and Dow sharply higher as well. The move's coming after a better-than-expected CPI report, showing inflation moderating in July as food and energy prices pulled back. But should one encouraging print be enough to offset, be enough to get our hopes up, I should say. Dan, Nathan, what do you say? I don't
3: think so. I think if we like how did the week start? We had this revenue warning by NVIDIA. We had, you know, Micron's warning the next day. Um, You know, I I just don't see like the fact that we had this print that was a little cooler than expected. I think that was kind of the consensus here. I don't think anyone was thinking it was going to outperform. It's going to be that much hotter. We know that there's been plenty of calls for peak inflation. But what does mid single digits inflation look like for the balance of the year? It's probably not a great thing for U.S. consumers or for corporate margins. And you think about the S&P 500, and the market did rip. It was broad-based. There's not really much to look at when you think about this rally and say that wasn't a great rally. You think about where we are in August. You think about when the next Fed meeting is. You think about the fact that we could continue to go higher. I'm not a buyer here. I don't think you want to chase this rally here. I think about the S&P 500, though. The high in January, the second trading day of the year, was 4,800. The low was just above 3,600. We are at the exact midpoint, at 4,200 right here. Okay, so we're down about 12 percent on the year. We're up about 15 percent of the lows. I think you have to think about where rates are, because rates are much higher than where they were. Right. And, you know, we go back to March when we started raising. And that's the thing. I think tightening economic conditions. We just had that last guest on the OT just say that mortgage rates, where they are, that's going to continue to be a problem. He's been hitting on rents. We have wage inflation. I just think that S&P 500 is not discounting, I think, the back half of the year that we're going to see a bit of an earnings decline that's going to continue. That's how we start. Of the week. And that's how I want to stick with it.
2: The word chase in the context of chasing this rally sounds so derogatory, Guy. Isn't this in just enough to allow what we've seen since the June lows continue with the 10-year yield back? I mean, granted, it's much higher than it was, say, a year ago, two years ago. But still, it's not 3%. It's 2.7 and change. So isn't that enough to trade this rally?
4: It's interesting. In one of the Rocky movies, they asked Sylvester Stallone to say something derogatory about Carl Weathers. And he didn't know the meaning of the word. And He said he's great. And so I don't think derogatory (laughs) is a bad word at all. I think Chase, I think Chase is a good thing. You know, you chase the dream and people are trying to put their money to work ahead of this, this. Basically, we're talking about Jackson, Jackson Hole, number one. But then the Fed doesn't really talk in earnest until September. So I think what people are saying is, look, there's enough air cover here with this print. To sort of belong the market into what's probably gonna be still a very hawkish Fed. So I get it. I just think we're overextended here. And I thought that over the last couple of weeks, I thought 4,100 was sort of a foregone conclusion in June. But now I think we're getting a little overextended, a little ahead of ourselves. And I think you sell rallies here. Now, people say, look at Disney earnings. We're gonna talk about it. That was great. Yeah, I get it. But to Dan's point, you're still seeing um, warnings out there across a myriad of different sectors. There's still layoffs going on. And oh, by the way, eight and a half is no panacea. They still have a lot to work to do, they being the Federal Reserve.
2: Yes. Um, as for today's rally, though, you could really see the risk on tilt when you take a look at the names like an ARC Innovation ETF up by more than 7%. These growthy names, um, Courtney, and what does that tell you about this rally today?
5: Yeah, well, and, and this is where I kind of have to agree here, right? We're getting some warnings here in certain parts of the market, but I think the warnings have been in your growth meme So I do think that's where, yes, we're seeing this rally come up, but I don't think that's necessarily going to continue over the long run over the second half of this year. I do really like the CPI reading that we saw, right, especially the fact that core inflation came down lower, which I think a lot of people are expecting overall CPI to come down. But that core inflation, which is what the Fed is so focused on, I think that coming down is really positive. And pair that with the jobs report we had last Friday, I think does lead us more into this um, – realistic possibility that we could get a soft landing here, but I wouldn't be chasing your growthy names. I still want to make sure that you're focusing on some of the other categories of the market that are much better of value here, because I think eventually you're going to see those diverge.
2: Onwin, I feel like I know in part what you're going to say, that this CPI print, it, who cares about it? The, the, the worst is yet to come when it comes to inflation. The sticky parts are still there. They're going to be stubborn.
1: I'm going to see if I can thread the needle here like the Fed is seemingly doing. So I think it's one thing to come on the show and and articulate your bearish bent or why you have concerns about the market. I think it's another thing to to fail to acknowledge when you actually do have good prints. And I want to stop short of doing that. So I do think the numbers today were good. I will say that when we talk about how effective the Fed is and you look at rents and you look at wages, you look at housing, you look at food, some of that is on the, de- the demand side. But then you look at energy, and I would argue that that's really not because of what the Fed is doing. That's because of other macroeconomic factors. So it's hard for me to, to, to go lo- from logically one step to the next and say this is a direct result of the Fed. As for the rally today, I'll tell you what's particularly concerning. Look at um, NLCH. I think that thing was down 13 percent yesterday. It's up 12 today. Look at Coinbase also led the market higher. Simis, who gave you the warning also leading the market higher. So I, it's one thing we're saying, listen, this is an opportunity, opportunity for you to pick stocks, pick best in class, those that can deal with adverse situations. This is not that. And then when I'm, I'm going to sprinkle in the, the whole meme stock mania that we've seen this week as well. And it really doesn't feel like people are, are, are parting and parceling and making investment decisions. This feels like a liquidity led risk on rally at the exact same time where liquidity is being siphoned out of the market. And that's what concerns me.
2: What if I told you, Dan, that we knew that the Federal Reserve was only going to hike 50 basis points in September? Does that change or alter your view of this rally no, right now? I
3: think that's what Fed Funds Futures are now pricing. That That, right. that, that is like the highest probability event um, just at the moment here. So we'd have to see a, like a pickup in really hot data for that to change much to 75 basis points. So again, the Fed said a couple weeks ago, they're going to be data dependent here. Here's the data. The market's reacting to that. Um, you know, I think it's a really hard time to kind of put money to work, new money to work in August. I think back to 2020. Do you remember that rally we had? And it was an all of that Nasdaq stuff. It was like a melt up. And I think it was like a beta chase. And there was a lot of weird things going on in some of the biggest um, Nasdaq names. And I think that we have the potential to do that right into Labor Day again. So, you know, if you're trading and you're nimble, uh, you know, like the arc thing, that thing has been kind of trending up a little bit. It looks like it's about to break out from those mid-March levels or so. I think there's a lot of opportunities if, again, if you can kind of pick those sorts of things. Uh, uh, But, you know, I I just think that the back half of the year, the economic day data probably gets worse before it gets better. I think corporate earnings probably get worse before they get better. And so with the S&P at the midpoint of this 2022 range, it just doesn't look like, as Carter Braxton works to say, it's almost like a pair of twos a little bit. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> All right, let's get to Disney. We'll have more on CPI later on in the show. Um, Disney, meantime, shares are rocketing higher after hours on an earnings beat. The company's subscriber growth for streaming jumped past estimates. And for the first time, Disney's got more subscribers than Netflix. The earnings call is underway right now. CNBC Julie Borson is here to break it down. Julia.
6: That's right. On the call just now, Disney just said that its Disney Plus subscribers would accelerate in this current quarter and that they don't expect higher prices to impact churn. They also reiterated guidance that Disney Plus will be profitable in fiscal 2024. But they did update guidance for the less profitable Disney Plus Hot Star, saying they expect Core Disney Plus to be at between 135 million and 165 million subs by the end of fiscal 2024. That's largely in line with previously provided guidance that didn't break out that part of the business. But the Hot Star subscribers, they're saying, will be up to 80 million. Now that adds up to total guidance for a range of between 215 and 245 million total Disney Plus subs by 2024. That total range is below the prior range of 230 to 260 million subs. They say they'll refine that Hot Star piece once some of those other cricket rights sales are completed. Um, now, all of this comes as Disney today announced its new ad supported Disney Plus will launch for $8 a month in December, on the 8th of December. That's the same price as the ad-free streamer is now. They also said that they'll raise prices for the ad-free service to $11 a month, from $8 to $11. Now, Disney's better than expected 26% revenue growth in the quarter and its earnings beat that was driven by the parks, experiences, and products division. It showed a 70% increase in revenue and bottom line results that grew by more than six times That was thanks to an increase in bookings and consumer spending. They said that average daily attendance at the domestic parks was actually slightly below those pre-pandemic levels in 2019. But they have continued to deliver higher revenue and operating income in that division. Now, I will be talking about all of this and more with Disney CEO Bob Chapek in an exclusive interview. That's tomorrow morning at 1130 a.m. Eastern on Tech Tech. Melissa?
2: Julie, I wanted to ask you about the Hotstar breakout, because that seems to be, I mean, from the Disney bear camp, that's going to be um, the nit to pick with these subscriber numbers, that the growth is coming from the less profitable hot star. That's where the growth is coming. That's where the average revenue per paid subscri- monthly paid subscriber is coming from. And actually in the U.S. and Canada, that average monthly number has declined.
6: Well, so so just to, to make it clear, so the Hotstar numbers, those Hot Star subscribers are vastly less profitable for Disney. They are paying a lot less for the service. It's the domestic users um, and the other users outside of that Hot Star numbers. Those are the users that are most important for Disney's bottom line. What they said here is that those core subscribers, the ones that are paying more, that guidance is still in line. We're still going to hit those numbers. The issue they said is looking forward towards 2024. Those hot star subscribers may be lower than previously anticipated. So the overall pie is uh, is on track to be smaller. But a lot of that depends on how much they want to pay for cricket rights. And JPEC already said on the call that they want to be disciplined in the way they're thinking about sports rights. So not wanting to invest too much in some of those sports rights if they're not going to be uh, profitable for the company. So I think they're, they're, they they're got a lot of criticism for not being clear about just how many Disney Plus uh, Hot Star subs they were going to have as part of that guidance. So this is trying to give that clarity there. And, it, and this, this new clarity does not seem to be hurting the stock after hours now up 6.6%.
2: No, it, not it's certainly not. Julia, thank you. Julia Borson, she'll be in on the conference call uh, shortly. We'll keep us updated. Guy, what do you make of these results?
4: It's a great quarter. There, there's no two ways around it. I mean, that Parks number I think surprised a lot of people. Clearly surprising the stock market because the stock is trading higher here. But you start doing math. Now I will tell you, I didn't think Disney should have traded down to ninety. I didn't think it was going to trade down to ninety. But as you know, Disney's the D in my dawn trade and. I do think they deserve it of a premium valuation, which they haven't been given over the last six months. So you put a 25 multiple, which for Disney is about the historic norm on the $6 they're going to earn next year. You can do that math, Mel. It's a $150 stock. And I think you're going to start to see analysts raise their numbers. So again, I think Disney sold off too much. That surprised me. This doesn't. I think it goes higher from here.
2: All right, let's get more reaction from CNBC contributor Jim Stewart. He's a New York Times columnist who literally wrote the book on Disney. Jim, always good to see you. Nice to see you, Melissa. It, w- it was a great quarter, but it's, it's losing a lot of money to get these subscribers.
7: Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's commenting on the big successes, and they deserve the, the credit for that. But that loss in um, Disney Plus is alarming. I mean, the bigger it gets, the more it seems to lose. And that is not a trajectory that can continue. They are, are projecting a profit for the core Disney, Disney Plus in fiscal 2024, which gives them some time, but the spending rate and the revenue lines right now are not pointing in that direction. So I think the big questions are gonna be, can they somehow hold down this nuclear arms race spending on content and how much more revenue can they generate with this new pricing strategy?
2: Why wouldn't Disney get the same free pass that Netflix had for almost forever in its history? Well, you
7: know, first of all, it's not a pure streaming uh, business. You know, it, it's probably counting its blessings. It's got the theme parks coming back, surging like that, um, which is both good and bad. The theme park's revenue is never going to get a multiple like Netflix Netflix has. It's a mature business. It's You know, it's it's very predictable, but it's, it's not. It doesn't have huge growth potential, whereas streaming maybe does. And, you know, like Amazon got a pass for years. Net- Netflix is not getting the pass that it did in its heyday um, recently. I mean, I think that investors are kind of rethinking this. But that's one reason Disney is never going to get that same kind of multiple. Can they get a multiple on the revenue from that? I think they're getting some, some of that and some benefit from the doubt. Uh, but, you know, with these mounting losses and the spending rate the way it is, I think investors are growing a little more concerned about just, you know, how profitable is streaming gonna be and when, how
1: soon. Hi, Jim, bottom one here. Would you mind speaking to uh ESPN and the streaming sports offerings and, and, and how the pricing in terms of sports rights bodes for for Disney going forward?
7: Yeah, well that that's another cloud over this, and they didn't they haven't said much about that yet. And I was a little sorry when they you know they changed their reporting um Method. So they 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 bury. I mean you can't really see ESPN in there anymore. You can't really they don't break out the cable network. It's all uh, put together in you know the media and entertainment numbers. So it's hard to say what's going on there. But the, it doesn't look great. I mean there wasn't big revenue growth in that area. There was some substantial profit growth in the in the big um, you know media number. But a lot of that probably came from the, the studio. So it's really kind of hard to say. There seems to be no doubt that the old cable model is in long-term secular decline. And that's a problem for ESPN, which still contributes. Look at the numbers in there. That's still a big, big chunk of the Disney revenue. So do they start to migrate that to streaming? Well, they haven't done it much. And you know, everybody knows streaming is probably never going to be as profitable for sports as the as the cable model was and you've got growing competition there everybody wants to get into it amazon wants it apple wants it you've got some deep pockets that want to bid for these sporting rights they're going to face some big cost increases for like for the big premier sporting events coming up
2: what do you think of the ad supported tier Jim, I mean, it now enters the fray of, of streamers who are offering some sort of ad-supported model at a time when advertising revenue in general is slowing. It's just interesting timing, um, you know, for these things to hit the market as this industry is sort of contracting.
7: Well, I, I think they were hoping to be able to introduce this when we weren't on the brink, possibly, of some kind of big slowdown or even a recession. I, I mean, I think the advertising model is a very, very smart move. It's, it does two things. One. It doesn't really jeopardize the subscribers because they can pay the same and get the advertising thing, so that's not a big price increase for them. And secondly, to the extent they're harvesting all this data, which is supposedly what streaming is supposed to be able to do, they may be able to deliver very sophisticated targeted advertising that could compete with the, the you know the Googles and the, the Metas and the Facebooks of the world. So, strategically, it makes perfect sense. that Timing is not great. I think we're going to see when they introduce this just how price sensitive these streaming services are I think people are coming through their monthly bills I did it myself last weekend and realized That's oh my god, I've got all this monthly stuff I never look at uh, and I think people are going to be more cost-conscious about that But I think long term look with the cost they've got as I mentioned these trajectories the losses in Disney plus They can only do two things um, they can either cut costs, which is very hard in this environment, or they've got to increase revenue. And adding an ad-supported tier is one way to increase revenue.
2: Jim, always great to speak with you. Thank you.
7: Sure, my pleasure.
2: Jim Stewart of the New York Times. Courtney, what do you what do you make of Disney here?
5: Actually, I think Disney, uh, clearly they blew away expectations here, which I think is great. But I do like them from the longer term because I do think they're looking at them. They are expecting that core customer on the subscription side that is going to actually hopefully meet their expectations. And you're comparing that to like a Netflix who just lost subscribers or a Peacock who didn't have any. So I think they have a lot more room to run there. They're also a much better diversified business. When you look at them, they have their advertisers. They have their parks business. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing to look at by any means.
2: Would you rather, which is a game we haven't played in, in a while, Disney or Netflix, Dan? Um,
3: I don't... I think you chase Disney here. I said that as our final call last night. I wouldn't buy it into thing. Yeah. I didn't say sell it. I said I wouldn't right. buy it into the print. And I think anytime you have the opportunity to kind of beat those subscriber expectations, but then lower the out year, I think that's a good setup. And the stock is obviously up. So long winded uh, answer, right? Are we playing a game? We're, we're yes, playing a little bit. That's I said, um, to be I'm creative. not a buyer of Disney at $120 here. Um, I think in a different market, it's probably not trading up $8 on this report. Um, and was it versus Netflix? Is that what you said? Yes. No? Oh, there's you, a big and I Thank
2: you for listening I, to me. I, so, <laughs>
3: <laughs> so so I, I had bought Netflix a couple months ago, and I just sold it. I we're going to get into that later on the show. But um, there's a big gap in Netflix. And if we are okay. in a squeezy market, look at that chart. There's a gap from that uh, you know, the disappointment a couple months ago. So better trade there.
2: You didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. You didn't listen Not to me. Fair. You didn't know what the choices were. There were I, only two well, choices. Well, at least I didn't bring there back two the guests. Choices. Two. Sta- That's true. Bottom. had brought back the guests. Oh, oh, that man. is Sorry, so low. About that, Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> Guy, Netflix or Disney. I'll play
4: the game correctly, Melissa Lee, because we've been together a long time, and I know you're a rule uh, follower and a rule enforcer. I would rather Disney at these levels. Netflix
2: had its run. Disney's about to have its DIS, Mel. All right, coming up, Elon Musk hitting the sell button, cashing in on nearly $7 billion worth of Tesla stock. What it means for the Twitter deal next, plus more on today's big CPI print, how the Fed is eyeing the numbers as we close in on their annual meeting in Jackson Hole. Don't go anywhere. More Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Elon Musk dumping nearly $7 billion worth of Tesla shares in the last few days, according to an SEC filing. The CEO prepping for the possibility that he'd be forced to buy Twitter. He wrote last night on, what else, Twitter, <laughs> that in the event that the Twitter forces uh, this deal to close, it would avoid an emergency sale of Tesla stock. Musk said in late April he had no plans to sell more Tesla shares. Obviously, things have changed, namely a court date in October that is pending. Um, guy, for Tesla investors, I would imagine this is It's a relief. The selling is out of the way. He also said in exchange uh, with somebody who tweeted back at him that he would buy back Tesla shares at some point.
4: So if the Twitter deal does not close, would you buy back Tesla stock? That's Mm -hmm. a Twitter thread. Dan knows about this stuff. And the short answer that he gave last night at about 11 o'clock was yes. And I think that gave people a lot of um, optimism in terms of the stock. And maybe he's being sincere. I have no idea. I'll say this. Uh, at $900 ish is where the stock is trading. I think the risk reward now is as Carter would say a pair of two. So I think if you've enjoyed this run from the mid 600s to this price, I think you take the money and run and listen to what Danny Moses said last night. So I would be more inclined to sell Tesla here
2: than buy it. You'd be more inclined. Well, he is selling. I mean, effectively, he is selling. He is short, and he has said that it's been a difficult short. So. Dan, are you?
3: Yeah, I am I am short also. Mm-hmm. And and again, you know, I think this is an interesting scenario where I think Tesla is one of the most overvalued stocks in the entire stock market. And I think that Elon Musk personally is selling shares of that stock. Good for him. Okay, he still owns a lot of it. But to buy the second the most overvalued stock in the entire stock market. If he closes on the Twitter deal alone, not through mm-hmm. some corporate, with a lot of his equity, he is literally overpaying for this thing probably by at least 100% personally, okay? So to me, I think he probably destroys value in that company before it comes out as something that is able to grow at a point where they're monetizing their users the way that some of their larger competitors are, Facebook Meta and that sort of thing. So to me, I, I just don't like either of them. I, I, don't, I don't see it. The, the fact of the matter is, though, by him doing this, I think he's telling us that he is going to buy this company because he doesn't want to go to jail um, if... if If that's what would happen. Right.
5: Yeah, that's actually exactly what I saw. Is when he actually sold the Tesla shares, I think that gave more validity to the fact that there is a significant possibility that he could have to buy Twitter, right? Mm -hmm. Which actually is gonna help your Twitter shares in the short term. I agree, I think both of these are completely overvalued, so I'm really not chasing either of them. And I think the question is, too, is if he is forced to buy Ted, Twitter, is he going to end up selling even additional Twitter shares? I'm sorry, Tesla shares? Because we've seen this in the past where he says, OK, I'm, I'm not going to sell any more. And then here we are. He's selling more shares. So I would just like be cautious about that from a Tesla investment standpoint. Yeah.
2: Classic
1: situation of Believe what I do, not what I say. Guy's not sure. I'm sure that I don't believe a single thing this guy says, to be completely honest with you. Um, I mean, the, all that all that this is, is him hedging his downside risk, selling shares while he still can before he's forced to do it in a fire cell moment. I, that, there's nothing else for me to read into it.
2: I mean, the timing of the trade from, a, I mean... From a trading perspective, Guy, after Tesla shares have run up more than 30% from July lows and ahead of what could have been a CPI report that could have easily been the other way, um, especially from the perspective of a guy, of a guy who, who feels like he has a super bad feeling about the economy, you know, the timing was pretty good.
4: Extraordinary, actually. Perhaps we should reach out to Elon and see if he would come on as a panelist on CNBC's <laughs> Fast Money. Doubt that'll happen. No, I mean, listen, he's been... He's, he's done everything extraordinarily well up to this point. But to Bono's point, I think, again, now, now it gets difficult. I think now it's going to be the most difficult time he's going to have navigating this Twitter Tesla situation. So buyer beware at this point, in my opinion.
2: All right. There's a lot more fast money to come. Here's what's coming up next.
8: Inflation schmation, Stocks rallying on some lighter than expected CPI data. So can the Fed breathe a sigh of relief? Or are more rate hikes on the horizon? Plus, a bundle of energy. Options traders digging into the space and betting there could be some big moves ahead. The details next. You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. Let's take another look at how the markets ended today. Stocks soaring across the board with the s and P closing back above 4,200 for the first time since May 4th. That move coming after CPI, consumer prices, flat in July. For more on what the inflation report says about the economy, what it means for the Fed, let's bring in CNBC senior economics reporter Steve Leisman. Steve, nice to see you many, many hours later after the report. But, I mean, basically, the notion is that the Fed can be 50 points in September and wait
9: yeah that's the way the market's priced and and i I must admit melissa you're holding up way better than i am 12 hours after however many hours after this number came out um look uh the market is buoyant and taking this in in a really positive way fed officials less so it's worth pointing out kashkari out there in the afternoon saying uh, i'm still on track for a 390 4% 4% funds rate, Evans staying, he's still on track for three and a quarter, three and a half percent. Um, look, maybe as, as as Churchill said, this is the uh, end of the beginning. And by that, I mean several months from now, we may decide that this was the month that the Fed was able to start counting and saying it had several months of evidence that inflation was coming down. But that's a risk, and that's not exactly what Fed officials are saying right now. There's a lot of push-me-pull-you. If you look at the um, uh, the list of stuff that went up, Food's still up by 1%. We still have strong uh, uh, gains in the housing market that may take some time to come down, and that's a third of the index. Meanwhile, you did have airfares come down. You did have uh, autos come down. That, that, those are the things that, you don't know, maybe that sticker shock that's happening right now as a result of that, people balking. Um, I was fascinated to listen to your conversation, Melissa, and here's what I was thinking about it. You can take a bet here that the Fed is wrong, but the only question is, are you paid for taking that risk? And maybe with the market down as much, you you you, you could take a five dollar bet here to see the other guy's cards. If you don't have to put the you know go all in with all your money here, you know five dollars down to see your cards. Maybe that's okay. Maybe it's not that big a bet. But I hear guy talking and other folks about, well, is the Fed going to be wrong here? If so, and it doesn't cost you very much, you're paid for that risk, I suppose take it.
2: The, the higher the markets go, though, Steve, that, that bet to take the other side that the Fed right. is wrong is an even exactly. better bet. And that's what we're seeing today. I mean, with every rally in the stock market that we see, it makes the Fed's job a little bit harder, right? I mean, is, I, you got to wonder if these Fed officials are trotted out. There's a big rally going on in asset prices. Go, go talk the markets a little bit, you know, some sense into them.
9: You know, the, the Fed is like, uh, uh, what do they do when they're healing in a sailboat? They're leaning against the, the healing of the boat as much as they can. So, you know, uh, you've had a parade of officials last week. I was very busy out there saying what the Fed was saying about the idea that there wasn't much of a pivot. They're still in the three and a quarter, three and a half percent range. And then uh, I hope you have that, that chart on the bar chart, guys, that, that shows the flip. It was 75 at 829 this morning. Uh, for September. And now it's 50. Caution, there's a lot more uh, uh, data to come. You've got another inflation report. Another, uh, uh, th- there's the three, what is that, 360 uh, on the, uh, oh, it's hard for me to see anyway, but whatever it is, uh, it- it's in the 360 range, 350 range. Um, and-, and that's where the market's betting right now. And it- it's more interesting what's happening with the 75% uh, chance, which is now down uh, to about 30% or so or-, or 40% compared to where it was a 65 or 70% chance yesterday.
2: Guy, would you be on that other side of the trade, as Steve says? No, well,
9: it's interesting. I don't think the Fed is
4: wrong. I actually think that what they've been doing since November is exactly right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm lined up with them. And to your point yeah. about the market going higher makes their job more difficult, I would submit in some ways it makes it easier. I think, and again, I'm, I'm not suggesting the only thing they watch is the stock market, but the higher the market goes, I think the more flexibility they have, the more... Mm. Um, runway they have to be more hawkish if that makes sense, Steve. Any thoughts on that?
9: Yeah, so that's sort of like an, an absolute and relative argument. The Fed absolutely wants financial conditions tightened. Um, <clears throat> I think it's probably hardened if you look at the two year, which has been up pretty strongly. Um, it likes that, but but really the sweet spot for affecting the economy, for affecting businesses in that five and seven year range where a lot of business finance is done and when that sort of gets flatter goes down um absolutely financial conditions are loosening as well as when the market goes up so on that basis yeah i mean they can be as hawkish as they want when when they're leaning against the market guy but ultimately what they want is they want absolute rates to be higher here uh, in order to tighten financial conditions
2: do you have your your guitar packed up your gear packed up for Jackson Hole Steve cuz that's around the corner right i mean you're you're getting ready for it
9: <clears throat> yeah um it's odd you think the guitar comes out sometimes it does not Sometimes it doesn't i have a small travel guitar but obviously going out and playing in Jackson Hole is not the principal p- purpose of it we we go and um, uh the main purpose is to is to see if i can uh uh last longer than the european central bankers in terms of drinking <laughs> into midnight that's the key um so that i can get as much out of the european central bankers who i don't normally get to see as much as uh the 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 the, the, the americans are are in bed by like nine o'clock as far as i can tell it's the europeans that are the most fun and i've had uh, uh great relations with use. the finnish guys are the best the best of all to find out what's going on in europe and around the world uh but yeah you if you're asking me Am I pointing towards Jackson Hole as an important pivot point? Mm-hmm. I think we'll have a lot more there and understand a lot more about what's going on. And I think the questions that we have are, you know, how much, <clears throat> pardon me, deterioration in the economy do you need to see before you pivot? Um, and, and how much do you think you're going to have to do uh, for the rest of the year? I think the I think the markets built in, like I said, uh, for the rest of this year, Not much gap between the market and the Fed. It's next year where that gap is big. And right now, if I'm not mistaken, the people around that table are starting to think about next year.
2: Steve, thank you. Pleasure. Steve Leisman. All right, so how should we think about the markets going higher and what the Fed needs to do? The byproduct of what the Fed needs to do theoretically should be a decline in asset prices, Dan. Yeah. It should theoretically be higher unemployment, things like that. But the higher the stock market goes, the more help corporations get. They get a little bit more buffer here.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, I I think that we're starting to see housing roll over a little bit. Um, Some of the stuff in the employment data under the hood doesn't seem particularly great. We're seeing because of all of those inflationary pressures that corporates are feeling, we do see uh, peak margin situations. So we're seeing job cuts, um, if you will. So listen, a a higher stock market, I think, is good for everybody, but it doesn't do the thing that they wanted to do. They wanted to bring down asset prices, kind of like deflate some asset bubbles. I don't know if mortgage rates are going to budge a whole heck of a lot um, anytime soon. So, again, you know, I I think that August is a really tough month. We have that uh, August 25th, 27th Jackson Hole meeting. And I think that if they don't trot out a lot of these Fed governors and they aren't particularly hawkish, then the market is going to continue to float up. But, again, I'm not chasing that sort of thing. There's going to be some really nice trading opportunities in some of these kind of growthier names because they are so beaten up.
5: Actually, I think the housing is kind of an interesting story here because that's about a third of the CPI, and that's not coming down. That did did increase, maybe a little slower than it did last month. But I think that's something that the Fed is really going to try to target because that needs to come down for CPI to come down. And I think that's where, too, you're seeing home builders actually doing really well here on the idea that maybe rates are going to come down or not be as high. Uh, but I think over the longer run, even if they do tamp down that inflation, they bring down housing they're just kind of pushing this issue down the line because you have what over 7 million, 70 million millennials out there who are all in this stage where they're getting houses. And after the 0809 crisis, there wasn't enough building, and there's a shortage of like four to six million dollars, uh, four to six million units of housing. So I think that's going to be a thing where, yes, we might see that come down here in the near term. But as a longer term, I think that actually when you look at like your home builders, that could actually be an interesting opportunity here.
2: All right. Coming up, an interesting buy from our own Dan Nathan. Shares of this stock down more than 40 percent this year. But could there be an opportunity here? The beaten down names he's scooping up next. But first, a high energy options trade coming at you. Where's the group heading next? Tony Zhang is bringing us the action when Fast Money Returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. The XLE Energy ETF eking out a gain today, still down over 18% from its June high. The move lower uh, mirroring the drop in oil prices and one options trader is betting on more volatility ahead for energy. Tony Zhang has the action. Tony.
7: Yeah, Melissa, a relatively quiet day on the energy front, but one particular trade really stuck out, accounting for nearly 15% of the entire day's volume. Now, XLE has been trading in a bit of range here over the past couple of months, and one trader bought 7,500 contracts of the November 76 straddle paying $11 and 10 cents for that. To put that into context, this is an $8 million bet that energy shares will either be materially higher or materially lower by that November expiration by about 15% just to break even. So one trader is certainly betting on more volatility going forward and for XLE to break
1: out of the current trading range that it's been in for the past two months.
2: All right, Tony, thanks, Tony Zhang. Uh, Bono how do you feel about energy?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're betting 15 percent of spot, which is pretty aggressive. And this is exactly why the pullback in energy and this this uh, latest CPI reading gives me still a little bit of pause. You see the volatility that's still in that uh, complex. And for those reasons, I think we've got to take this step by step rather than extrapolating one data point and trying to make, uh, you know, an entire story based on that.
2: All right. For more options action, tune into the full show. That's Friday, 530 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up, Dan is making some moves. That's right, we've been teasing it for 45 minutes now. 43 minutes, uh, time to finally reveal what Mr. Risk Reversal himself is up to. We got those trades next and later, investors are checking into shares of Airbnb today. What is behind the jump in this name? The details and more when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Dan Nathan is making some moves in his portfolio and one purchase, Dan, even left us surprised. Yeah,
3: you've never heard me say a positive thing about Robin Hood. I bought that today largely yeah. because we were sitting on the desk last mm-hmm. night and we were looking at Coinbase who was trading on 10% on a horrible guide in a horrible quarter. There was nothing good that any of us liked about it. Reversed Traded up, and I said to myself, "Look at this Robinhood thing. It's been flatlining here. I think it's kind of a one up, maybe th- or one or three up, excuse me, maybe one down sort of scenario if you get that right." Again, in a squeezy market like this. That being said, I spent late spring buying. Remember, Qs and Twos, yeah. QQQ and Twos, basically Treasuries. Mm-hmm. I'm out of the Qs. I'm out of a bearish trade on yields. Okay. I also bought things like PayPal, Netflix, Meta. Things were down like 50, 60, 70 percent. I'm out of the net. Netflix, I'm out of the meta today. I'm still long. PayPal, shop, okay? And I really like Snap here.
2: Shop is new. Shopify. Shopify yeah. is that new. About, oh, a couple weeks
3: yeah. ago. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: And how long do you think, I mean, how long do you think you'd I mean, listen, some of the
3: returns, you know, I bought Meta a couple weeks ago and it was up 10% Mm -hmm. in like that, you know. um, You know, so some of these things are going to move really quickly here. Snap is a longer term thing. I think there's many gaps to be filled there. I think PayPal was down 80% when I bought it. I think that thing is putting in a, a bottom. The bottom might be in something like that. Shopify was down 80%. I really like that one here. And the hood is a bit more of a trade. If that thing goes from, I don't know, 10 and a half to maybe 13 or 14, I'd be out.
2: Could hood be a trade? Courtney, what do you think?
5: I'm a lot more cautious on hood here. Essentially, too. I think they really need to have better, like, recurring revenue streams. I think they need to see a lot more um, people come to their platform right now. Yeah. And I think we just aren't seeing that. So maybe it's a short-term move.
3: Yeah. As a longer- oh, This has adapter. nothing to do yeah. with fundamentals. I mean, th- this is literally okay. the market that we're in. And that, right. that's really what it has right. to On
2: with, a day yeah. when you see the meme stocks, and I say that jokingly, yeah. the meme yeah, stocks rise, ARK yeah. Innovation ETF rise so sharply, that's the kind of trade that goes higher. Can you be in that sort of trade, Bonoin?
1: Uh Yeah. The, I mean, the only solution is to trade it. I don't think it's, like, currently investable in this in this particular market. I understand. And the setup, though, it is one of those squeezy names that hasn't had the bounce that you've seen of a lot of other names. And I mentioned at the top of the show, Norwegian Cruise Lines and Coinbase. What positive news came out of those? And those were up both double digits today. So I get it. Might as well kind of get in on the trade while you still have an opportunity to do so. But he said it three times. He's trading it. He will be nimble, and he'll likely be out. I'm going to call before that $14 level. Okay. What's the,
2: what's what do you say, Guy, about having a long time to? sell a rally. You don't have this long to sell. What's that saying? that, that It's kind of catchy. So I like guess not a, catchy enough. It's, a great, it's the great
4: Louise Yamada who took her cue from the great movie, This is Spinal Tap. The longer in space, the greater in outer space or something like, or to that effect. I'm not really sure. Market doesn't give you that much time to buy the lows or sell the highs. And go yes. back and look at Shopify, by the way. We actually talked about this on the show remember they had layoffs and the stock traded down next day they reported mm-hmm. earnings the stock actually traded down to 29 next day it was 33 we said that is a tell Melissa Lee uh, and the stock has been off the races ever since when it gets to 10 times revenue you sell it it'll make it a $60 stock and by the way I'm sure we're uh, slow we are light on time here but what year was that picture of Dan taken? I mean, can you do it? Can you put that up in the control <laughs> 2008. Room? That's the most absurd thing I've ever. Then. Look at that thing.
2: So youthful. It looks like yeah. he's in
4: middle school. So optimistic, yeah. bright-eyed and bushy.
2: It was for Options and Action. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? 14, 15. 2008. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. <laughs> Coming up, it's a classic case. We got to update that thing. Um, a classic case of pops and drops. One stock higher, one stock lower. We'll bring you the details behind these moves and the trades next. Much more fast money right after this. Well, back to Fast Money. Check out Airbnb topping the tape today. Shares surging after the company said new rental hosts in the U.S. grew by more than 50% in the second quarter. This despite rising inflation. Guy, this is the A in which trade? Dawn?
4: In the, in the Dawn trade, which is interesting. The D was obviously Disney. Today, yeah. we get the A. I mean, maybe win in uh, Neo tomorrow. But I'll say this it's an expensive stock on valuation. But if you look at analysts, Price range is anywhere from 125 to 175 And I think we can rally in this name despite valuation. When you hear things like this, it suggests that Airbnb is going to do well. And look at Booking Holdings recently. That was actually surprisingly good. So stay with Airbnb here, Melms.
2: And clearly, if the consumer is getting some reprieve from inflation, Bonwin, I mean, we saw travel names across the board go higher today. Do you believe that bounce?
1: Uh, I don't think you chase it. I mean, a lot of air has kind of been taken out of this sale. This is actually one that I own. I've kind of traded around it. Um, So I like the long-term name. But I would not be trying to chase this one for a trade unless you believe in the long-term story. I I don't think the consumer is out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination.
2: All right. And now to a buzzkill, Wendy's getting grilled. Shares falling as much as 5% after the fast food chain reported some disappointing sales numbers. Uh, The CEO citing a more strapped consumer as inflation curbed store traffic. The stock closed the day down nearly 2%. Um, Clearly, uh, they feel it from all sides. Uh, Wage inflation, input costs rising, consumers feeling the pinch of inflation, Courtney. But is this Wendy specific? Or is this industry-wide, do you think?
5: Um, I guess a little of both, right? Because I think what you're seeing right now, and unfortunately inflation is affecting more so the lower income household than it is the higher income households. When you have something like a Wendy's, they're going to feel this more than like a Starbucks, for example, who maybe has a higher income consumer. And they're actually seeing the demand is, is is steady. So no, I don't think it's necessarily industry specific, but if you are looking at your restaurants, you might want to lean towards the ones that are going to be less affected by your lower income household. Mm-hmm.
2: Gas prices coming down has got to help this kind of consumer. No, no doubt about it. I mean, listen, you know, we're going to debate this
3: for years the whole transitory thing and i think Mm -hmm. if the war in uh, ukraine hadn't happened the way it did uh, we wouldn't be talking about the way we are and i'll just remind you know viewers one other thing what's going on with china and taiwan you know you could have said the same thing about ukraine and russia you know months before that we might be we might find ourselves in in a whole host of like different geopolitical messes in just a few months if there's any disruption to the semiconductor supply chain with all the production there in taiwan so
2: up next final trades Welcome back to Fast Money. Let's get another look at some of tonight's earnings movers. Uh, Disney still holding on to those strong gains after adding more subscribers than expected to its streaming service, beating on the top and the bottom lines, up by almost 7%. Shares of Sonos, meantime, plunging after the company slashed revenue guidance for the year. The smart speaker's maker saying it faced a significantly more challenging macro environment that stock down 19% and Bumble's down 12%, lowering its forecast, citing competition from Match.com and a $20 million impact from the war in Ukraine. Didn't know they operated there. You always learn something new here. Um, Time for the final trade, let's go around the horn. Guy Adami.
4: Since you're starting with me, Mel, it's not lost on me that as gas prices go down in the context of Wendy's and CMG. Gas actually goes higher, if you know what I mean. But Oxy, if it's good enough for Warren, it's good enough for me, sister.
5: Courtney. Uh, yeah, also, I, I'm going to go XLE here. I don't really think this energy uh, slowdown is going to continue. I think it's a play.
1: Bonoan? Sox has had a nice move, but I'd be fading the semis up here. Damn. Yeah, so things that have flatlined in a bad market
3: like this, a squeezy market. So I like snap here. I also like hood, obviously.
2: All right. Thank you for watching Fast Money tonight. See you tomorrow morning on Squawk Box Bad Money with Jim Cramer. starts right now.